Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Revely, revely, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. <laughs> yeah, Fridays are for art. We're back at it with the bang. The best damn combat sports show, period. It is Friday, March 11, 2022. And this right here is the award-winning Morning Combat. Combat. Morning Combat. My name is Brian Campbell, just one half of your duo coming live and direct from Deadwood, South Dakota for this evening's Showbox triple header. More on that to come, but you don't come here for me. You stay for me in the end. But what gets you in the building are the words, the thoughts, the insults that come from that man next to me. The best damn non-X fighter fight analyst in the game today. He's Luke Thomas. And Luke, this is your final day of solo parenting. Mr. Mom, have you done anything yet that you regret? Uh, I don't want to make a joke that will get me in trouble. So I'll just say I haven't had enough of these. I started the morning with one of these just to get out of bed, basically, because I haven't slept at all. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And then now I'm washing it down with an additional coffee. Uh, Yes. It's going to be one of those days, BC. Yeah, Tukey, don't judge Daddy when he vapes throughout the playground. Don't judge him, please, okay? <laughs> please, yes. I don't I don't oh. vape at the playground. I don't do that. Uh, Luke, as you know, this is our Friday show where we set the stage for the weekend to come in combat sports, and it's a loaded one. Look, there's a lot of off-menu items, Luke, including one championship, which is just concluding now, and Eagle FC this evening, Bellator, Showbox, UFC, what a damn weekend of fights. We are here to set that stage and get you ready for it. Uh, We're also here to tell you that our fine partner Showtime offering you 30 free days right now. Get the app, get the channel, however you want to do it. Go to Showtime.com, get the 30-day free trial. You get BC, all right, calling Showbox tonight. You get Bellator and its exclusive uh, U.S. home on Saturday night, championship boxing, Bill Cosby, so much more. Uh, Take that plunge. Pound sand at the end of it. Uh, it's up to your discretion, though. Also, please, Luke, you, you like this little archive I pulled out, Luke? The uh, the 1.0 MK merch? What do you it's think? It's nice, isn't it? I still have it. It, uh, it, it It's not like, you know, listen, we got to give RJ Dunkelmaker the props that he deserves for turning our 
franchise around when it came to our store but i gotta say the early stuff was nice too it had its own little charm well look it's up to rj to prove though luke that he can still do it and right now he's trying to push that saint patrick's day merch aggressively so you can go to morningcombat.store right now in fact i think we got a little look at what what some of this new shit is gaff if our, our man gaff if you don't mind throwing that up there uh we got saint patrick's day stuff we got onesies for the kids we got a lot of good shit going on at the old merch house so check that out morningcombat.store uh tell them bc sent you you know i'm sure there's something in there for you a hot dog and a hand job something in there for you all hey, right bc bc yeah? i gotta say i know this is not really what we do at the beginning of the show but i'm feeling pretty proud so i want to just bring it up yeah dude do it. I, every friday i have my morning weigh-ins and uh, so now the accumulative total 44 down 44 down can you believe it that's fantastic luke that's you know I, I i wish i could join you there but i i uh I went against my liver last night at the steakhouse and went deep on the ribs. So, uh, you know, we're going in the wrong direction over here Did on you Team booze? Deadwood. Did you booze at all? You know, I, I may have. I, you know, I, you know, I do get down with the mule, Luke, okay? So we went, you know, <laughs> I, I wasn't paying. I'll tell you that much. I mean, I'll pay for it in the end, as you know, physically, Luke. We're barely holding this show together. But, hey, uh, we also want you to hit the link in the description today on YouTube to join the Morning Combat Bracket Challenge. You, Luke, March Madness is coming. And CBS Sports, obviously, the, the home of all things. And uh, the winner, by the way. It's a $100 Paramount Plus gift card. You will be competing against us, BC and LT, and the rest of our MK team and fellow donks. So uh, hit that link up. Who, who doesn't like free money or free Paramount gift card money? Hakeem Dermish. He doesn't like free money. No, Every time I try to give him free money picks, he always tells me to go pound sand. Yeah, yeah. Hakeem's always like, yo, I quit betting. I quit again. All right? I'm never betting again. Just for today. I'll be back on it tomorrow. He's like, yo, let me get that parlay, bro. Let me get that shit, okay? Uh, Luke, anything else you want to hit before we, we really hit it hard? Uh, no, I'm ready to get this going. You're right. Big weekend of fights. Let's do it. Okay. Okay, that's it. That's how the stage was set. And now we deliver. And, of course, we're going to start off with the UFC Saturday night. There's a must-freaking-see light heavyweight main event going down from the Apex in Las Vegas. Thiago Santos Maheta, 37 years old. A bit of an elite crossroads fight he finds himself in. Is he going? Because we know his opponent is coming, and that is Magomed and Kalaev. The win streak, the momentum, the smashing. Luke Thomas, as we set the stage right now, our friends at DraftKings have Ankalaev as almost an overwhelming minus 600 favorite, plus 435 for Thiago Santos. But Luke, I want you to strip away if you can. The age, the momentum, the odds, everything there. X's and O's as a pure matchup. How well do these two actually match up? We talked about it a bit on Wednesday, and it's worth going over just one more time to answer the question, BC. In a lot of ways, they have very similar overall statistics, right? Strikes landed per minute for Santos, 3.95. For Ankalaev, 3.6. Strikes absorbed for Santos, 2.28. For Ankalaev, 2.05. That's really good, right? Striking defense, bet higher for Ankalaev at 62%, uh, and also striking accuracy, 55% versus the 48 and 56, respectively, for, or excuse me, 56, 48, respectively, for Thiago Santos. But when you dig a little deeper, that's where the numbers begin to fall apart for Thiago Santos. And this, was, this came to us from a really good column that, again, Richard Mann from Fightmetric had. Here is what he pinpoints as the real difference. If you look at what Ankalaev does, we all know about his striking accuracy. He's very accurate. He has good boxing. He can pressure. He can counterfight. He can do a lot of different things. 
But the real thing that stands out in their numbers is the takedowns, right? 1.15, I believe, for Ankalaev per 15 minutes, but he attempts almost four per 15 minutes. Now, you can say, well, okay, he's not very efficient with them. You're right, he's not very efficient with them. But A, he does get them, and while he doesn't have tremendous ground and pound, he can control the fight that way. That's exactly how he won the Nikita Krylov fight, was doing just that. Why is that relevant? This comes from Richard Santos. Quote, Santos has been taken down in eight of his 22 UFC fights, BC. In eight of those fights, he has a 4-4 four and four record. However, in fights where he has not allowed a takedown, he is 10-4. and four. And so, when you realize that, that's going to be a big key. One more key, uh, BC. You're talking about what about the age, what about not the age. The momentum matters here, not just on the Ankalaev side, but on the Santos side as well. How about this? While we all know that Santos can still strike, his striking differential has been on a steady decline recently. Through his first 18 fights, he had a positive plus 2.85 differential. In his last four, he has a negative 0.17. Now, neither of those tell you he's going to win or lose this one. But BC, to answer the question, X's and O's, I think the takedowns and the threat of takedowns from Ankalaev are going to be a big role here. And I think that's going to limit the overall volume of Santos, which means he may or may not get blown out, but I just don't know how much he's going to get going. I mean, if, if we're going to talk about the supposed decline of Santos, when look, not only is it age, it's the the major knee surgery. What was it double? Was it double knee surgery, it Luke? Was he had after the, yeah, after I, the I, John I don't know Jones. if both knees. I don't think both knees had the exact same amount of damage, but both knees had to get repaired. Yes. I mean, it's limited his explosion in the first. So he loses to John Jones in a fight that could have gone either way. It takes a long time off for the surgery. The Glover Teixeira fight that followed is tough to fully sort of parse together because, you know, he floors Glover early and looks like he's about to stop him. And Teixeira, to his credit, finds an avenue to victory and gets it. And even this most recent victory to stop that three-fight losing streak from Santos is also hard to fully gain because it was a Johnny Walker in transition that he defeated who wasn't as offensive as, as maybe we thought he could have or should have been. I want to focus in on the Alexander Rakic decision loss. What are we seeing in that fight as a snapshot of who Maheta might actually be now? Right. So that fight was the one before the Johnny Walker fight. Now, he won the Johnny Walker fight, but we all remember being like, it was, okay, Santos won, but it wasn't like spectacular. The Rakic fight to me is a lot more interesting. Now, Rakic didn't get any takedowns, although he attempted two of them. But he played a very careful game. Their, their volume was pretty close, 15 to 14, 11 to 15, and then 23 to 7 in the third. He kind of came on in the third that time. But what you saw in the first two rounds was, again, mixing in this threat, staying long, moving, the kinds of things that Ankalaev can do. Now, again, Rakic isn't Ankalaev. Ankalaev isn't Rakic. I would actually say that Ankalaev a little bit more hittable. I think Rakic is a little bit more defensively minded, and that is a window. That is a needle by the way, BC, that could be thread. A little bit more hittable, if you ask me, in some of those bigger spots. Willing to take a little bit more risk inside that mid-range. But there is a, to your point, a bit of a, you know, blueprint's a strong word, but a bit of a path to follow that Ankalaev can pick up on and reasonably put those kinds of lessons into play here. Santos can win, dude. Let's not, be, let's not discount that, but it should be noted, it's an uphill climb. It is. Would you say, though, so certainly he can still win from a, one strike position, meaning he can get a knockout with one strike. He could change the momentum of the fight by dropping Ankalaev. Like his power is legit. It's it's what's keeping him very relevant at this point. But the delivery system, age, surgery, years, 
I think he's lost that spark, Luke, of course, that he had against Jones, which meant he could deliver one of those strikes at any moment because there was a, uh, I mean, the, the best thing Maheta did against Jones was close distance and be dangerous as shit where John Jones could really never fully open up. Jones did a good job at coming forward, but the, he was very, he had to be very respectful of Santos's power. Has Santos's delivery system diminished as much where you don't have to hold that same fear standing in front of him trying to get your offense off? It's funny you mentioned that. So after the Jones uh, fight with Santos, I actually reached out to a couple of Jones's coaches at that time and asked him, you know, was he hurt? Why was he so hesitant? Remember, because some of the criticism of Jones in that fight was maybe he won or didn't, but he seemed very defensively, con or uh, I should say very concerned about the offense of Tiago Santos. And their answer to me was he was very, he was concerned. He was concerned about the linear attacks up the middle should John go for a takedown, which puts some strain here on Ankalaev. It's like if John Jones was worried about that, you know, Ankalaev better be worried. The problem is John was worried about that in a situation where Santos was not through two knee reconstructions and then post several losses since then. This version, to your point, BC, I know granted in that fight by the time of the fifth round came along, obviously Santos had, you know, terrible injuries, uh, you know, but I'm just sort of pointing out early into the fight that was not the case. And I think that molded John's thinking pr pretty wisely in some ways. But Ankalaev, I just don't think, is facing that same guy. The question we have to answer is, how much of a difference is there? So round one, let's say, against John Jones versus round one against Ankalaev, what kind of physical difference is there? It may not be necessarily a huge one, BC, but any change is going to be much more favorable in the newer circumstance. In other words, a slight de decline in your ability to be explosive carries huge implications for your opponent, especially when your opponent is an accurate, snipery striker. One point to make here, BC, in eight UFC fights, I believe that's how many Ankalaev has, he has six knockdowns. That's a lot, dude. He puts hands on people and they hit the canvas. And that doesn't always stop the fight, but it certainly affects it big time. Yeah, and that's, uh, of course, Ankalaev lost his UFC debut to Paul Craig when he was submitted in the third round of 2018. But, but he was beating the shit out of Craig before that. Yeah, and seven straight wins since then. And if you're looking for, you know, quality wins, he stepped that up too, getting the decisions over Krylov and, and Volkan Ozdemir in his last fight last October. But Luke, okay, we got a declining Santos, but even if he lowers his output and looks to counter big, he's, he's always going to be a threat here. If Ankalaev cannot routinely take this fight to the ground, how much does that change things? I think that changes a lot, actually. Now, that's a very different fight. I think, really, if Ankalaev cannot establish the takedown, or to you, I think the point you're raising is not only can he not get the takedown, the threat of it doesn't matter a whole lot either. So he really has to kickbox, right? If you really got to kickbox, then I think it's really um, uh, that, that's a much more difficult firefight, harder to predict. You know, your mileage may vary, the audience's mileage may vary. I still think when Ankalaev can pump the jab, and if he can do the leg kicking, not wait around too much for Santos, which he sometimes can do, um, that's still a, a, a winnable path and a li I think a plausible and likely path. But I, I have to grant, BC, no doubt about it. If that takedown isn't there for whatever reason, the odds of that, I'd still favor Ankalaev, but I'd drop them to the you know minus 200s or even the minus 100s at that point. Absolutely. It's a much closer affair. Uh, 29 years old is Ankalaev from Dagestan in Russia. Luke, would you? Does his game? Is there any parts of his game that makes him different from the the Smash Factory stereotype that we sort of default to? Even though some of these guys we're seeing have a little bit more advanced 
you know, foundational striking than let's say Habib had, who really added that to his game uh, as he climbed up in, in class and, and, and worked his way to a title? You're seeing a lot from, you know, for example, just on the Nurmagomedov side, like Umar has those flashy kicks. Uh, Usman has a very well-rounded striking game relative to Habib. Obviously, uh, Ankalaev is not a Nurmagomedov, but, you know, from that sort of part of the world. What I would say is BC, he has a lot of the hallmarks of it. He does have, you know, a, a very good foundational for MMA boxing game. The takedowns are there. He does not have overwhelming ground and pound. So that's another avenue for Santos to think about, right? What if you get taken down, but you don't get beat up? Maybe if it happens with one minute left in the round, kind of ride it out. Don't take too much damage. Don't waste energy trying to fight it out and then go back to striking on the feet. That's something to think about as well in terms of how it affects your strategy because Ankalaev does have ground and pound, but he's a little bit more Colby where he's just sort of smothering, pulling the wrist out, flattening you, keeping busy, you know, working through position, but mostly the effect of it is the drain. It's the thing where you can't get going. You're having to answer for what he is putting on you, and then sort of physically this exertion can be tiring. It's less about, like, underneath, you know, if you spent a lot of time, I think you would agree, Brian, if you spent a lot of time under Habib, let's say 10, 15 minutes, he was going to pound you like a drum. Ankalaev is not necessarily like that. Okay. A uh, lot of questions on the Santos side that we all broke down there. What I don't want to see out of Tiago, Luke, is... Uh, contentment with the fact that he's only going to be able to win this fight by landing that one big strike that either ends it or or dramatically changes the momentum. And what we see is a low-output follower who is absorbing damage little by little, hoping for that one big moment that inevitably isn't there. So that says, okay, I, if I don't have the same delivery system I had at the peak of my game heading into the Jones title, if I'm Tiago, do I take a little bit more risk? Do I look to come in here and say, my greatest strength is my ability to end this fight and, 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 and come in big? I've got to take chances to get that off. Luke, that strategy, which is fueled by a little bit of desperation, it's offset, though, by the fact this is a five-round main event. So against a wrestler who can pull on your gas tank and, and essentially ruin you, how will or should... Tiago, navigate the, the, the risk-reward element here of stepping on that gas and maybe stepping out a little bit. I mean, I, I was just thinking, like, if you're down, let's say, three rounds, right? And you're not too beat up, but you pretty clearly lost three rounds, some mix of striking, some mix of grappling, and you're like, well, shit. You know, at that point, you can't win enough rounds to get the fight back. You got to stop them. You know, I just feel like if once you find yourself there, I'm not saying that fighters should quit, but, you know, being like, oh, I'll wait until there's a Hail, Hail Mary situation against a guy who's not just good. Like, Ankalaev is careful. You know, again, all relatively speaking, it's a very chaotic fight and, and sport he's in. But in general, he makes pretty good decisions. He doesn't get into a lot of mistakes. The Paul Craig fight cost him. He's had a few other moments, but they're pretty few and far between. It's just not really a plan. I think my plan, you know, or, you know it, it, such as there could be one, you see, I would say what I really want to see is if the parts of the fight get away from him, that's understandable. But you got to plant some early, you know, seeds of offense that bear fruit later. Ankalaev does go to the jab a lot. It is a good weapon for him. I would really like to see Santos get back to some calf kicks. You know, yeah. we know he can probably still hammer those home. If you can really destroy that, which could impede the wrestling, which could impede the jab, and then you can maybe bait him into a few more firefight scenarios... Dude, you can do a lot more with that. But if you are kind of just sort of waiting around and asking yourself to react to that 
and now you're down two, two and a half rounds, three rounds. Hail marrying at the last ten minute stretch, it might work, but we all know what's dude. All those Russian dudes are waiting for that shit too, man. Yeah, you got to put some, you got to put some damage on them early, and then make them have to adjust around that. Santos can do that, will he? Let's see. I mean, look, everything Santos throws is heavy, so that that look for that in the first round to see if you can establish that. Uh, if, when we're talking about this five round discus, distance, Santos has gone twice, both in recent memory, the close loss to John Jones, and then most recently the thorough victory over Johnny Walker. Ankalaev Luke has fought to the fourth round once, but that was 2016 outside of the UFC. This is his first scheduled five-round fight. Does that change anything in your minus 600 Ankalaev betting confidence here? It could. It doesn't do anything for me. This is different, but here's the thing. It's like they're not in front of an audience. They're not in Brazil. If there was, you know, it, we, this is one thing that's lost. Like these Brazilian cards where half the card was all Brazil and then the other half was all the people who the crowd was telling they were going to die. Maybe that doesn't make a difference either. And for the elite ones, it doesn't, right? Colby goes in there and beats Demi and Maya, that kind of thing. But we, we, there's no other element here. There's no like enemy territory. You know, for, it's a foreign country, but these guys are used to it. It's the apex. It's all pretty routine. No crowd jeering him. I mean, maybe a few people might boo him in the apex. Hey, Machine you know Gun saying. Kelly is going to be there, Luke, okay? Yeah. So don't, let's not say yeah. no crowd, all right? We might get uh, I, Lee Majors. I am lead. Luke, how about old-ass Lee Majors, the fall guy, right? Showing up at, that's who that was, right? Showing up at like know. age and 83. Was, and there was zippy applause for that old bastard, too. I was like, Paul Anka go. showing up at, at the uh, at the apex? I mean, this is great. These are like the old school guys Dana grew up watching on TV, and he's like, oh, no, these these legends need to cut. It'd be like, Luke, it'd be like if they were like, hey, BC and Luke, we just found out the lead singer of Deep Blue Something, Breakfast at Tiffany's, big MK fan. We'd be like, yeah, bring him on the show right now. It's like that, Luke, you know? It is like that. I forgot what your question was at this point, but I guess I'm just My question was, out. this is not, Luke, just real quick. I am absolutely addicted to Athletic Greens, AG1. Yeah. I can't... People ask me, it's like, is that just a bit? I'm like, no, dude, it's a great way to start your day, honestly. Yeah, it's the healthiest thing I do all day. All right, Luke, it is prediction time here. Um, but before that, number six, Ankaliyev, I'm sorry, number six, Tiago Santos, yeah, maybe I should look and get it right, Luke. Number six, Ankalaev. Number five, Santos. We know that the champion Teixeira is going to face Yuri Prohatska. We've got Jan Blahovitz ranked number one, Rakic ranked number three, and your buddy Anthony Smith at four. Uh, before we talk about who wins and why, what's legitimately at stake here? Top five placement. Not a title shot, but for Ankalaev, it's a main event. It's a guy who was previously in a title fight. This is him, if he wins, saying, I get to replace you and your spot in what this division means. For Tiago Santos, it's a, you know, I won't say do or die. It's maybe is a little bit strong, but each one of these losses serves as if they, again, if it's a loss, if he wins, forget it. But if he loses, just feels like, you know, one step closer to not being in the UFC or certainly not at the top of the division or something closer to this idea of Tiago Santos as a guy we have to pay attention to at the very top of this division, really winning here is kind of essential. If it doesn't happen, he would have to have a major respark, which seems very unlikely after that. So this is a huge opportunity, not just to stay relevant for the current time being, but to remind folks you're still an A-class fighter capable of being in a title fight with just a one or two more victories post this. Um, it's big doings. It is. And I'm ahead of super fan, Luke, and I'm trying to talk myself into him doing multiple things, right? Turning back the clock, showing us that spark again. But damn, this is the wrong opponent at the wrong time 
with their stocks going in the opposite directions. Do I feel like minus 600 for Ankalaev is, is, is almost insulting? It's harsh, Luke. Yes, I do, but it's also potentially kind of fair if he is who Dennis Green thought he was, Luke. You got to go on Kalaev, and I think a, a, a thorough five-round, really not that close decision win is, is most likely what we're going to see here on Saturday night. I tend to think that Ankalaev will put him away in the championship rounds. A decision would be in no way surprising, but Tiago Santos we like, but I just, you know, and I get it, man. Like, a lot of times guys are like, well, you shouldn't throw the towel in a big fight because you never know again. It's, it's cases where the guy's, like, fighting on a prelim fight. It's like, I don't think you guys understand the risk-reward scenario. He went through those injuries in the middle of a title fight, and if you're going to do that kind of thing, that's the time to do it, I guess. But here he is on the other side of that equation now paying those bills. And it has dramatically reduced his offense. So we'll see what happens. Look, that Coleman event, we hit the storylines just two days ago. Marlon Marais, 33 years old, but he's lost four of his last five. They've all been by TKO. There is an extreme amount of must win here against Song Yudong. What the hell can Marlon Marais do to stop the bleeding, Luke? I don't know. I mean, maybe he could wrestle Song Yudong. Maybe he could do that. Although he's not, he can wrestle. He hasn't shown a ton of it. This is a tough one. So I've been going back and looking at Song Yudong's fights in preparation for today. And the one loss that he has recently, I think in his last five, yeah, he has the draw against Damon. But the loss was to Kyler Phillips. And Kyler Phillips was able to stand on the outside and blitz into him, hit and move, mix in takedowns. And so Song Yudong just couldn't quite get a read on what he had to do and was a bit, you know, overwhelmed. But, dude, Kyler Phillips is, like, the man. He's really, really, really good. We saw that in his last fight. We saw that in this one when he beat Song Yudong as cleanly as he did. I couldn't believe how easy he made it look. But is Marlon Marais that guy? We know he can counter-strike and move on the outside a little bit. But, BC, if you're going to allow Yudong to just pressure forward in that way... That's, that's not by itself the ingredient that gets it all done, but we've seen all the dudes who win. Corey Sandhagen, a little bit more of a mover, but still, it's a bad way to fight, and I feel like he's just going to get backed up again, man. Like, what can he do? He can not do that, but that's not what he's been doing this whole time. It, it, it's a tough fight for old Marlon, yeah, man. I agree, and if, you're, if you can't stop Yadong from pressuring forward, you're going to catch a case, Luke. You know what I mean? That's going to be an HR violation. I do. I knew. I knew. Uh, I Luke, knew. Uh, what song dong, did you sing to your dong? 24 years old, minus 255 favorite, plus 205 from Marais. You would, Luke, you would think it might be odds-wise a little more harrowing, but Song Yudong still has more to prove. He's more complete. He doesn't have the gaping holes of Marlon Marais. I'm sorry to say it, Luke. We might be seeing him lose five of six and in, in, in need a new wild? Home. Dude, this is the guy home. that beat Aljo and stopped and stopped Aljo, stopped Jimmy Rivera, all that shit, and now he just can't he can't find. Well, again, we'll see what happens tomorrow. But this if is he a, loses, a, he can't a Barrow like fall from Grace, Luke. Wow, uh, Luke, give but me Barrow, your. Uh... Barrow took a shitload of damage. Like there was a cumulative. I mean, he's taken some damage, but it just seems like out of nowhere, it just when it turned, it just turned. You know, Luke, give me your left wing lock, lead pipe, locked and loaded pick of the week on this undercard. Where does Ooh. your confidence lie the heaviest in, in in a number of these close matchups on paper that we celebrated on Wednesday? Which one are you feeling the most confident about? 
Okay, definitely going to say Sadiq Youssef, which we talked about on Wednesday. I'll pick a different one for the sake of today's show. Looking up and down here, um, the opening is an interesting one. And and Chuk, I'm going to mispronounce this guy's name. And Chuk, you again, and Chuk, we, he's the guy out of uh, Team Lord Irvin here in Camp Springs, Maryland. He's a beast. Um, that's an interesting one. I'll give my lock, though, to. Oh, that's a t- you know what? I'll do Miranda Maverick over Sabina yes. Mazo. We talked about that one, but I think Maverick has the moving in and out, side to side style that should give Sabina Mazo problems, but we'll have to see. Maverick, minus 335 favorite over the plus 260 Mazo. Dude, this Drew Dober, Terrence McKinney fight. Again, McKinney on short notice trying to make. Trying to make it happen here. This is going to be a banger. Drew Dober, minus 165. I love that fight. Luke, not not a lot of talk about Camille Roundtree Jr. versus Carl Roberson. Both could really use a big win here. The, the, the fight isn't setting the world on fire in terms of its stakes, but it's actually a pretty good fight. That should be two guys who have a lot of high-octane offense at times, two guys who sometimes make a lot of mistakes. Like the That one could go a lot of different directions, you know? And as we mentioned, tune in early. Chris Moutinho in that second fight with the green hair uh, lost to Sean O'Malley but, but gave his heart and soul to get, to get through it. Minus 150, the favorite over Guido Canetti. And Luke, finally, Guido. Cody Brundage is Guido. back. Um, do you think we'll ever see his wife, ABC Nation, Amanda uh, Bobby Cooper Bundridge back in the cage again after giving birth? I have no clue. Okay. I have no idea. Apparently, you and I don't have the same favorite fighters, Luke. It's fine. It's it's cool. All right. There we go. Okay. Uh, that's the uh, fight. Are they your favorite fighters you. or your favorite fighters to stalk on Instagram? Because there uh, is a yeah. difference. Anyway, Luke, Saturday uh, is going to give us Bellator 276. 9 p.m. Eastern, only on Showtime, emanating from the Family Arena in St. Louis, Missouri. And you want big steaks in a main event, you're getting it. <laughs> big steaks. Sounds like every restaurant, <laughs> what they offer here in Deadwood, Luke, that would be true. Luke, you know, there, I mean, there ain't no CVSs or Walmarts here in Deadwood. You know, there is a question. Let me ask a question. If you need headache medicine or an ACE bandage or, you know, a hair gel, where do you go? I don't know. Like I don't have those answers in front of me, Luke. I really, I really don't. Uh, you'd love it here, though. Do, do they All have right. groceries? They must have grocery stores, right? They have grocery I stores. haven't seen evidence of that either. But, Luke, every storefront's a casino and uh, every restaurant's a steakhouse. See you back in Deadwood again. Luke, you know who <laughs> cleans up here? Uh, uh, Travis Tritt, uh, Trace Adkins. There's just, you know, yeah. autographed guitars of those guys all over the damn place, all right? Yeah. Uh, Luke, this main event, hell yeah, in terms of the stakes. Featherweights, it's Adam Boric, it's Mads Burnell. We talked on Wednesday about the momentum that both have right in around 28 years old each and the opportunity for a what they're calling a future title shot. Uh, could it be directly against the winner of McKee and Pitbull 2 Friday night, April 15th? We don't know, but this is a big deal considering where these guys are ranked. The odds have it minus 235 for Mads Burnell, who's riding a seven-fight win streak, 3-0 and in the Bellator cage, against Adam Boric, plus 90, who's riding a three-fight win streak. Luke, every stoppage win for Boric has come, has, the exit has began via flying knee, which is mm. interesting. We know that Burnell can, can get things done on the ground. How much does that little potential uh, scenario uh, play out here? Can, does Boric have to make Burnell pay for going for that shoot? Definitely, because I think Matt wrestling for Matt wrestling, who is the better one? Like Once somebody makes contact and now you're wrestling, who's better there? 
Again, we'll have to see on Saturday because Boric is young. He can make huge improvements, by the way. It should be noted I watched the weigh-ins today with him. Both guys look to be in good shape, I think. But Boric looked in tremendous physical condition. I was blown away. So keep that in mind. But it's still, wrestling for wrestling, Matt wrestling for Matt wrestling, grappling for grappling, Burnell is better and has shown to be much better there. On the feet, though, Boric is going to have the advantage there. You know, you're asking how much could the knee attacks. Definitely knees up the middle. As, we're talking about takedown threats for Ankalaev and, like, establishing the takedown. You know, throwing knees up the middle, throwing linear attacks up the middle against wrestlers, that's what they're going to fear in a lot of cases, right? It's hard to get an angular attack in a lot of those times for in MMA situations. So um, that could play a role, but it's going to have to do that plus a whole lot of other things to really put Mads Burnell on the back foot for five rounds because that dude also has a very, very good high motor to push the pace. Look, I hope we get into the championship rounds here because that's really where you find out not only what a guy's made of in terms of, you know, the stamina plus chin and will and all that, but you see the strategic adjustments and that's what you're going to need to to, to, have a, totally. to have a prayer against the winner of McKee and Pitbull, too. As you said on Wednesday, you want the winner of this fight to make the kind of leap and statement that says they could potentially give the champion a very tough night at the office. With that in mind, Luke, do we get to these championship rounds? Who are you favoring? What the hell does this fight look like come Saturday night? We could. Burnell is crafty enough of a grappler where, you know, he could find the back or the head and arm triangle or something pretty quickly. Like, you could never rule that out. But I'm with you. I like it now that Bellator, obviously, it's been long overdue. They were supposed to have five-round fights, you know, in situations like this. And, you know, we, again, we saw it against Logan Storley in his last contest. It wasn't BC just that the adjustments he had to make, although you are quite right. By that fifth round, it was just like, dude, you know, granted, he was in control and all that stuff. But it was still a bit of a fifth round. Who can just push? Who can just make that last championship, dig deep? reservoir of cardio reservoir of heart kind of kind of uh, effort sometimes you have to do that too beyond all the technique those five round fights really let you see something like that so I, I hope we get there too I would lean with Burnell I just think Burnell has he has looked so smooth so clean he he knows you know one of, one of the parts of his game is that he doesn't just take down and like oh let's just see what happens here he has a really clear plan of attack for the most part he puts uh, uh, his opponents in positions to make choices either way he knows the outcome which is why he's able to stay ahead a lot of the times he's got a lot of different answers in scrambles and i think that is going to be key maybe you can stop the takedown and get to your feet for a little bit but he's so good at just making the the scramble continue by pulling a hand pulling a leg taking the back for just a second forcing you to keep moving and that just nullifies you for long stretches. So I'm going to lean towards Burnell. But it should be noted, Boric, I think, has been underrated at times. The Darian Caldwell loss was bad. But Burnell and Caldwell are meaningfully different in a lot of ways, too. Let's see what he can do. Uh, to handicap it, I'm thinking of it like this, Luke. Which one of these two fighters with contrasting styles is more potentially uh, out of their element if the terms of the fight don't go their way? Is it Adam Boric on his back? Or is it Mads Burnell on his feet for an extended period? That's what's most interesting. Mm. Because Burnell has to trade with Boric. God, you love Boric's kickboxing game and his ability to control that there. But is Boric just the same, more vulnerable when he's out of his element, Luke? It's a great question, and I think you're right. That is what's going to ultimately prove who the winner is, who fights, who puts the fight on terms that are more comfortable and fitting with their existing skill set. 
I would argue that both of these guys are not going to be uncomfortable in either of those scenarios. But to answer the question more forthrightly, forced to pick, I would say Burnell is a little bit more out of his element standing than Boric will be out of his element on the ground. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean, by the way, again, I'm picking Burnell to win. I do think he has a he has such a strong ground game. But Boric is going to be – I mean, you just have to know that is coming. And so you yeah. better have a lot of stuff prepped, and I bet that they do. So – um, Burnell will probably have to earn it like he does everything. I, I, he probably should by Saturday night. But, yeah. Dude, this is a hard pick, man. This is a hard it pick. Is. I, I this, really this is mean a, that. Dude, two 28-year-olds, two hammers. You just never know fight over fight who's really going to make that nice little turn. It's hard to say, so I like this one. I mean, I love Boric, but but this is that type of opponent who can stand up to him or take him down, in, for that matter, and, 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 and just keep him away from being the most dangerous spectacular version of himself because of the the well-rounded skills he has yeah i gotta go Brunel. oh man i gotta go Brunel too but luke this co-main event i know you're not like setting your uh, egg timer to see phil davis uh return against julius anglicius it's an important uh, top 10 rankings fight they both uh, just recently lost to vadim nemkov in the grand prix of the champion at light heavyweight Davis is 37, but, you know, he's won six of eight with the only two losses against Nemkov. As we establish, what though, Luke, with Davis a minus 320 favorite, what are you looking to, to gain from watching this, if anything, Luke? So, so here's what I'll say about this fight. I do think there is a high chance that this will be very boring. I want to be clear with the audience. There's a good possibility this will suck as an, as an entertainment prospect. However, there are a couple of possibilities where it could be not that. One, Angliskis really has the performance of his career. He has shown in fights against better-named opposition that he is at least up to the task of being worthy in that slot but hasn't turned that corner. So that would be one. Signature win of Angliskis' career if he really decides to do something about it. And the Davis side, if Davis has enough of a gap on Angliskis and really can push the pace, I think he can finish him off on the ground. I think he can get the takedown. And Davis, when he wants it, can have pretty good ground and pound at times. We actually have seen that particularly from like what you would call like a hip ride or like a, uh, like a turtle position. He, he has very good ground and pound from there, surprisingly. So um, there are p- possibilities where Davis can go in there and be like, I'm just going to put a stamp on this division and let everyone know maybe Nemkov beat me, but I, I really am going to get another crack at that belt. Fair enough. But there's another possibility. I think it's the most likely one where there is a gap between Davis and Ingliscus, yes, but not enough for a beatdown for an entertainment purposes. And Ingliscus is not so beat up, but he can't really rally, and they just ride out that difference for 15 minutes. That is the likeliest scenario, yeah, I think. That's a great call. I, I think Davis is well, just just well more way more talented than Anglitzkis from what we've seen from Julius under the Bellator banner. Put together some wins, uh or deserved his sort of ranking and spot as the alternate in the tournament. But this is a big hill to climb because this <laughs> You just can't look good. You can't look great. Sorry, you can't look great against Phil Davis. And he's still got enough, Phil Davis, to to make it to make it where you can't look great against him. Even if Davis isn't doing enough, which is typically the theme, uh, Davis by decision, dude, bank it. I mean, could he finish him? Could that gap be as wide as you're saying? Potentially, yes. But Davis by decision, bank it. I'll quickly look. John Salter, still number one ranked uh, at middleweight, coming off the loss to Musasi, but he's a plus two four five underdog against the minus three ten Johnny Eblen, ten and zero. Salter though, Luke, he's hard to manhandle. He's he's crafty and gritty in his own way. What do we have to see here from Eblen? 
what he does best. Eblen is a big, strong middleweight. He finds the takedown. He pressures guys. And typically, I, I, I don't. Bellator doesn't do a great job of collecting stats, but in general, um, he does that to very strong effect. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He doesn't get hit a lot. Granted, he has not faced the kind of opposition that John Salter is in great detail. I mean, John Salter has fought Rafael Lovato Jr. He's fought Musasi. So he's fought dudes who were champions in this division. In the case of Lovato Jr., a world champion in black belt uh, level of jiu-jitsu. So he's, he's reached the mountaintop, found himself a little bit wanting, and is trying to stay up there. Eblen wants to take that spot. That's really what this is about here. Um, but Eblen is, Eblen is good, dude. He's, he, honestly, I'm not saying this for effect. He's one of the most unheralded fighters maybe in a high-level organization anywhere. I've just never seen a dude. Like, I watch him on tape, and I'm like, shit, he's all right, man. Like, he's worth paying attention to, and like, there's just no fanfare. I don't quite understand. This might be, however, BC, this might be one of those fights where if he can do what he normally does, again, strong takedown, strong top control, good ground and pound, good risk control, all that kind of stuff. Um, he can, he can, I think, maybe begin to collect some accolades that have been, in my judgment, a little bit overdue. Uh, everyone but one of Johnny Eblen's fights as a professional has been a finish, either direction. So, interesting to note there. Luke, in that opener, as we said, uh, the Maori kid, J.J. Wilson, who's 8-0. Luke, he's moving up to lightweight for this fight against Godzi Rabadinov. Uh, how good is Wilson, really? Because when you look up the record, man, stops Pedro Carvalho, uh, gets that split decision win over Taiwan Claxton, which really, we started kind of taking better notice of him after that. How high is the elite potential for him hi he he's gonna beat good fighters i think still very early i mean let's he only has eight fights this will be his ninth we are talking about a guy very junior in his development but he looks to me and by the way it should also be noted robotinov has literally more than double the amount of professional experience and against some very tough guys but jj wilson is different for a lot of reasons he has a lot of overall ability generally and um I've said this before, he has sought out the mentorship of elite training partners and elite coaches, and they are giving him skills, which I'm not saying he wouldn't have otherwise ordinarily gotten, but it just seems like a very, let's put it this way, fruitful partnership, where I'm watching what he's doing in training, based on, you know, whatever's released on social media, which is a limited worldview, to be clear, but it's good scrambling, good takedowns, he already had some pretty good striking beyond that, um, and, and I, I want to say, too, that like this is... It's a tough fight for him, but up to this point, Bellator has been giving him just the right kind of fights to further his development in a very, you know, to maximally develop him. This one could be, I'll tell you this much, this one's either going to be too much too soon, or if you beat a guy like uh, Robotinov on a night like this, J.J. Wilson's elite upper bound potential, let's say, is yeah. even higher than I thought. I think this is a very tough fight for him, but if a he wins this one, look out. Luke. Yeah, patented UPL from Luke, upper bound limits. I like that. And Luke, uh, finally on this card, we did talk about there's a few different undercard fights worth watching for different reasons. I wanted to let the viewers know that Diana Avsargova did make weight because Luke, you te you texted me the video of of, uh, of her on the oh, scale. Oh, that was for you. Know? you. I saw that and I was like, oh, BC is going to love this. I mean, I didn't hate it. Don't get me wrong, but I, that was that was a little <laughs> gift for a guy in Deadwood who I was sad no, in Deadwood. Wow, thank you. I, you know, I can. You know, I can get my MMA news on my own. Thank you very much, Luke. All right. Uh, Luke, topic number three. That, of course, sorry. Uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, Saturday night, only on Showtime is Bellator. Uh, prelims beginning at 6 in the East on uh, Bellator and Showtime's YouTube channels. Okay, Luke. 
Topic number three, dude, we've got a fight. We've got an all freaking action fight booked for UFC 274. It goes down May 7th, Phoenix, Arizona. We already knew that one Justin Gaethje would challenge Charlie Oliveira for the lightweight title in the, in the main event. Luke, how about this for an all-action co-main? Michael Chandler versus Tony Ferguson. It looks to be a go based on yesterday's developments. Hmm, very interesting. Your thoughts, Luke, your thoughts hedged with the, it's kind of a step back for Chandler, in a way. Should we just swallow that thought and enjoy the action? Wait, are you, what are you most concerned about? That Tony Ferguson's dried up and that Chandler's going to blow him away. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about that too. You know, I don't that be or, or Luke, even if it's not like a, a blow away knockout that Tony just takes sustained, sustained damage for trying to be a badass, you know? Yeah. And if he does at his age, that could spell uh, real trouble for him. I mean, I think I, I, I don't think he recovered. I, I don't know how any listen, who could recover from that beating against, against Justin Gaethje and be exactly the same. I mean, you have to ask yourself, if Tony Ferguson can't do it, I don't think, and again, he might. We'll see. We'll see what happens against against Michael. But if, if it turns out that the guy who left the Jacksonville arena after getting beat up by Gaethje can't come back, right? There's no there's no getting back to that pre-Gaethje Ferguson, then, um, you know, he's going to be in real trouble here. I mean, Michael Chandler is, you know, certainly, he is a run-and-gun style kind of fighter, which means he can be clipped and he can be stopped. He nearly won the lightweight title before not winning it, you know, so that, that is a hallmark of his career. He, he, and he accepts it. He runs on that kind of risk, you know? But yeah. I, I agree, like, with Ferguson. At, at MMA, we always keep doing this. Like, oh, the, there's a heroic effort. It was a heroic effort. He, he showed a lot of guts. He showed a lot of guts. Yeah, of course, dude. Tony showed guts that we couldn't even imagine. But the question is, now that the bill is due on the other side, was it really worth all of that? You know, harder to say. Again, championship-level fight. But, it but did, look, I think it did affect him. That's a 12-month period from May 2020 to May 2021 in which... Tony went through hell for five rounds against Justin Gaethje for their interim belt, loses a three-round wide decision to Charles Oliveira, and then loses a three-round wide decision to Benil Dariush and takes takes a lot of damage in all that. that I, I kind of, you know, I had wanted Tony to be the comeback opponent for Conor McGregor, which, which basically says we're not sure what Tony has left, but because we also don't know exactly what we're getting from Conor, let's match them together, let's get the fireworks. Maybe I'm wrong, but I still feel like Ch Chandler's right there in title contention despite the big-name losses he has had, Luke, because he's gone for it in those fights and had major moments and shows you, you know, that he can beat anybody on any night. I'm going to try to just put away my fears for Tony and just enjoy this as a star-studded action fight because this is the kind of matchmaking we love, especially when guys get to this point of their careers. I just, man, I just, I just don't think Tony's on this level anymore, and it scares me. And he's and he just turned thirty eight, dude. Thirty eight at one hundred and fifty five pounds. Man, yeah. that's tough. That's not. That's tough. That's a tough place to be. Especially and now you got to fight Michael. And it's funny because Michael Chandler's had a lot of damage, and we know, you know, can can run into trouble and has run into trouble at times, but still has that ability to dish. And I think that's been the thing that's been missing from some of these losses. You know, he didn't just get beat up against Oliveira and Ferguson, and to a lesser extent, um, Darius or whatever, but. He just didn't have a lot of offense back, uh, yeah. and it was trying at certain times. But you know, you know what I mean. Like it just wasn't the same. Wasn't yeah, the same. it looked after model, especially the Darius fight. I just didn't see the spark really. You know, in in 
I don't know. And, and look, um, Chandler's a great insurance policy to have on this card for the UFC for that fantastic Oliveira Gaethje main event, you know, in terms of someone falling out. So interesting right there. Luke, uh, topic four is a combination of what went down this morning and what's going to go down tonight. A little bit off the beaten path of typical UFC Bellator PFL talk. Luke, let's start one championship, that a card that I poo-pooed yet made highlights all over the damn social webs this morning and that co-main event. Uh, former UFC slugger John Lineker is uh, still a very elite slugger, Luke. Let's go to the videotape against Bantamweight champion Bibiano oh, yeah. Fernandez. I watched this morning. Gaffinator, you got this? Look at this, Luke. Yeah. Still got it. Power's the last oh. thing to go, Luke. Um, that's your new one FC or one championship, whatever you want to call it, Bantamweight champion. Uh, Luke, does this fuel the why the hell did UFC let him go debate or what? A little bit. Fernandez is, is, I think, in his 40s, 41, something like that. And double-check me on that. He looked to be in good shape. This is a funny fight. I watched the whole thing. Um, Lineker got dropped, actually, in the first round, I think with a right hook because they were kind of trading along the fence line. And Lineker was doing better work, but he gets dropped. And then there was a scramble, and then Lineker ends the round on top and was still kind of beating him up in guard. And you could see Bibiano Fernandez's face was kind of fucked up. Granted, also, remember, one doesn't judge round one, round two, round three to justify as a whole. But okay, you know, Lineker got dropped, but the one in the first round who you could tell was starting to put it on him was Lineker. Lineker got right back to it, even got taken down in the second one. Dude, this was a good performance. Lineker's striking is still these wide, although albeit extremely powerful hooks, but he did himself a favor here. He got taken down at times, he got pressed against the fence at times, and he patiently, but urgently, Worked his way back to his feet, created separation, and then got back to his striking game. He didn't panic. He didn't get overwhelmed. Bibiana Fernandez is extremely good on the ground. And, and Lineker just worked his way through it and then put on the intensity when he had to on the feet. Went right back to it, pressed him up against the fence line, and then boom, boom, up top. Dude, Lineker is a fucking beast. There's been a few guys that UFC has let go, and it's like... Good for these other organizations that they can have access to this kind of premiere and at least yeah. at a bare minimum, BC, super fun talent. In at John first, Lennon. I didn't think, you know, UFC letting him go and him having the success now was on the same parallel as what Kyoji Hor Horiguchi has done since then. But, Luke, I asked myself as you were talking, how the hell old is, is John Lineker? He's got to be, what, 34, 35, 36? Look, he's 31, and he hasn't yeah, fought in the UFC. Yeah, he's super young, yeah. It yeah, is a fun the UFC in three years. He's won all four of his one championship fights, including the last three by knockout. And Luke, if you look back at it, at the end of his UFC run, he was, you know, two and two over his last four, but those are losses to a to Dillashaw and to Corey Sanhagen. And he's beaten Boom Kelleher, Marlon Vera, John Dodson, Michael McDonald before that. So Luke, looking back, what happened? I kind of forget. I forget the the John so, Lineker UFC exit story. What the hell happened? He had a bunch of weight weight failures. That was a huge part of it. I don't remember how many he had. Three or four, maybe even more than that. He had constant problems. Remember, this is a bantamweight fight by one standard, so 145. And so if you look at Fernandez and you look at Lineker, they looked huge. So Lineker, Lineker relative to his UFC days, had basically 20 more pounds to play with. I mean, that's, you know. It's not exactly right because you still got to get down to the weight and you blow yourself up bigger. But the idea is it's certainly a more comfortable place for him to be. And I think you saw the fruits of that. He didn't look drained. That's part of the reason why he was so patient, I think, of the grappling is obviously his skills have developed. But more than that, he just has the reservoir of energy to deal with all of those problems. And he was always a big puncher. Now he can settle into those roles as well. It was just, you know what it was, man? He was putting... 
There are some parts of his game that haven't come along. Again, he just still throws very wide, and against a linear puncher who can really, you know, zing it um, with fast hands, that's going to be a bit of a problem. But that's not Bibiano Fernandez. And so taking some things that were existing strengths, even if they're not perfect, and then really building in more calm, defensive, tactical strengths, man, it did wonders for his game. I would love to see him back at one. Can you imagine if he was back at 135 right now in the UFC's division? He wouldn't be the best. BC, but he would be an exciting member of that, I would argue, probably top 15 community who you could just rely on for a fucking awesome fight. Absolutely. But credit to him, he's a belt holder in one. Good good for John. You Lee. know, and I don't know his contract situation. If he's going to try to test free agency at the end, there's a, you know he could be a big player in other organizations as well with the depth Bellator has at Bantamweight and PFL throwing money at people. Um, you know, you'd like to see him if he can go all the way back to the highest level and make that return. We've Look, I mean... Rumble Johnson got cut one day from the UFC and made it back. Uh, you know, Arlovsky reinvented himself a couple times. Uh, Freaking, uh, what's his name in, at, at Flyweight, Luke? Got cut and came back and won a UFC title. We'll oh, see Moreno. what happens there. What, what the hell's the guy's name? Oh, Tatiana. Brandon yeah, Brandon, yeah, Tatiana Suarez. Brandon Suarez. That's right, Tatiana Suarez. Got it. Uh, Luke, in the main event, I don't have video of this because of the timing of when it ended, but Tom Lee took on unbeaten Gary Tonin. It yeah. took 56 seconds for Tonin yeah. while I believe I read... Going for a submission, got sent Luke to the to south. Got sent south, Luke. Uh, you watched this breakdown. Was it a shocking finish or what? Here, a little. I mean, yeah, yes and no. I mean, here's the thing, man. If you're coached by John Danaher, you're not going in there and without a plan, right? Those guys, they have a clear, precise understanding of what to do. Now, sometimes fights throw you variables and you have to react and stuff, but in general, they have a plan. And they went for a leg lock uh, early. Now, of course, that's not a bad plan. You've got one of the premier leg lockers in all of combat sports in Gary Tonin ready to do that. But here's the thing. He only had, like, what, five or six fights before this. He'd been off since 2020 or I think even before that since the pandemic. He'd been off for a long time, several years due to the pandemic. And, you know, you have to remember there's always a a risk-reward ratio, right? On the one hand, if you're Gary Tonin, if you go for a leg lock early, they're not sweaty, and that gives you a lot better grip. And if you're as good at leg locks as he is, by the way, I attended one time a three-hour Gary Tonin leg lock seminar. I mean, he, <laughs> you know, he's quite good at them. Let me tell you, he is very, very talented. He has a clear understanding of how to break an ankle in ways that uh, would would disturb and surprise you. Did you roll with him, Luke? No, he didn't. Uh, he didn't roll with the students. It was just all instruction. Right. I mean, what would be the point? I'd last five seconds. But okay. the point I'm trying to make here is the downside, BC, as you well know, is, okay, they don't have sweat on them, but they do have maximum energy and the highest willingness to fight this off through even potential risk-taking to do it because your hands are obviously going to have to be occupied. They don't have a one-armed heel hook, at least not a very high percentage one. So he went for it, hands uh, uh, you know, uh, to the ankle, and, and he got torn up for it. Tan Lee rolled with it. And here was the thing. Gary Tonin was trying to off-balance him, take him off of his feet. Because if you can stand while someone's trying to heel hook you, you can't really get a whole lot going. you got to take them off of their feet to really have maximum effect. He kept trying. He couldn't do it. Remember, dude, Tan Lee trains right over here in Falls Church, Virginia, with none other than Mr. Heel Hook himself, Ryan Hall. So, yes. you know, you also go up against an opponent who is whose coach is, like, one of the best guys in the world at heel hooks. Um Sometimes Gary's strategy works. Sometimes it doesn't. It didn't today. 60% of the time, Luke, it works every, every time. time. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because so, here's the thing. Like, is it wrong for Gary Tonin to want to go for an early heel hook on an opponent who you have a good grip on? 
it doesn't sound like a bad idea, but it didn't really work this time. Hopefully, Gary Tony will end up on season two of uh, The Apprentice One Championship Edition to become an employee of uh, Chatri Sid Young Tong. Luke, um, yeah, I think that's all I got from for you. From oh, if you and I ever had a fight for real MMA rules yeah. for like I don't know producing credit of this show or something petty. <laughs> I would I would make sure it was a gi fight, Luke, because you you don't know shit about fighting in gis, bro. I'm telling you, I could I could out I I think that just gives me more options to outlast the size and weight discrepancy between us. I would let you pick how you want to lose, and then I would just do that. But okay. you, you know, okay. Anytime you want a shot at the title, you let me know. All right. I got my All right. All right. You know, the thing is, it won't it won't be where, I, where I'm announcing it well in advance, Luke. It'll be one of those fights that's just on. You know what I'm saying? The, the, the choke was on. And, uh, you know, he I didn't give you time to even get the gi out. Uh, Luke, Eagle FC goes down this evening in Miami, Florida. They're calling it Eagle FC 46. Kevin Lee and Diego Sanchez in your catchweight main event of 165 pounds, the division that you want, Luke. Um, let me ask you this. Diego Sanchez showed up at the weigh-in. He did Diego Sanchez things. He gave interviews to the schmo that was, uh, that just, I mean, it wasn't making a lot of sense, Luke. Uh, I guess this fight is here for name value and for Kevin Lee to begin his reclamation project, which, look, physically, he's still able. So let's, you know, I don't know. Let's see what future champion Kevin Lee can do. But is there any chance this doesn't end sadly tonight in South Florida, Luke? I don't think so. I mean, first of all, if Kevin Lee lost, not that Diego Sanchez winning is a bad thing. I don't mean it that way. But that would be a real bad moment for, as you stated, like this is the Kevin Lee beginning of the comeback tour, right? Like you got to start this. You always said you wanted a 165-pound weight class. You got one, and you got one against an opponent who is very much past prime. You lose that. I don't even know what to say at that point. So I firmly expect that Kevin Lee will win. So on the other side, it's like, dude, Kevin Lee, man, like we know this. Everyone wants to talk about when Kevin Lee is off, you know, when Kevin Lee is not doing well. But go back and look at his fucking highlights. You know, maybe BC and I got a little too aggressive with like future world champion. Maybe we didn't. But um, the reason why there was some... Well, you know, the point I'm trying to make fault. is... Luke, at the end of the day, it's his fault. We we saw what we saw, okay? You know what I'm saying? But you would agree. You would agree. It's like... You know what? It's funny. Someone, maybe this is the wrong analogy to make, but um, no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna jinx them like that. The point yeah, I'm trying to make is if you. The point I'm trying to make is if you made a highlight reel. Here's a question: If you made a highlight reel of Kevin Lee's best moments versus Colby Covington's best moments, whose highlight reel would look cooler? Right? Kevin, Kevin Lee's would look cooler. That head kick yeah. knockout over Gregor Gillespie Woo! by itself is better than anything Colby Covington has ever turned in. So. The point I'm trying to make is we have seen some like flashes of like, holy shit, this guy is good. This is your chance. You're in the right weight class. You have an opponent who should not be that much in terms of overall resistance. Kevin Lee's got to get it done tonight, and I, I, I expect he will. I really do. Diego Sanchez is 40 years old, and Luke, don't forget, Kevin Lee, the only fighter in UFC history to uh, challenge for at least an interim title uh, with a staph infection and an open wound on his chest, Luke. So that was something that... And, and uh, won you know. the first round, right? Or did yeah, he go that two? Or he... Something like that? Uh, Luke, in that co-main event, I, I'm not bringing this up to get your analysis, but 
Uh, Eagle FC heavyweight champion Rizvan Kuniev will defend his belt against former UFC slugger Anthony Hamilton. But uh, we got a picture of said Eagle FC championship belt delivered by a Johnny on the spot reporter on the scene. Friend of the program in Colombia. Yeah, own. there he is. There El he Hefe. is. Danny Segura. Luke, is that a good looking belt or not? Okay, well, the question is, is it a good-looking belt for the regional scene? Because, you know, compared to what the very best promoters have, no, it's not one of the better ones. I don't love it. I don't hate it. It's it's okay. It's okay. okay. What about you? Uh, can we zoom in on that, Gaff? I don't mean to. Yeah, you can know, you just, blow it up, Gaff? Just demand here. Because, Luke, you don't care about pro wrestling, but in the pro wrestling fandom, there's a lot yeah, of debates a bit, it's about... A little, it's a little nubby. It's a little There's nubby. a lot of debates about the quality of belts and which ones were the best of all time and look the coolest... This one is definitely closer to being a debacle, but there are elements of it that I like, including that middle shield, the black with the Eagle FC logo. Yes. You know, I do like that. Now, Luke, Danny's, you know, early 80s adult film mustache. Do you like that? Dude, I have to tell you that, like... We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, this is a little, I mean, that's very much Danny's flair, but, you know, uh, and it's not so common these days, but it's funny. I've looked at pictures of Danny's parents and then pictures of my wife's parents from the same era, and they were all living in Colombia at the same time. I think every man in Colombia from the 1980s had a mustache, and I think Danny's paying homage. Dude, he's pulling it off. I mean, you could argue our Showtime producer, Matt Snyder, is sometimes pulling it off. It's, it's a, I wouldn't call it a low T move, but he's trying for it. But I think Danny pulls it off well, Luke. Um, well done on that. But Luke, that's not the only awkward picture I have to show you of Danny. Found this in my phone when I was scrolling uh, back to 2018 on the plane. Uh, the we were singing, day. let it go. Let us dance like two men do, you see. <laughs> I, by the way, I, I got to shout out Danny. He covers the shit out of these Florida events, whether it's, it's BKFC or, I mean, he's all over it. So uh, follow his coverage right there as well. Luke, what Danny. was happening Danny in Segura that? Is the best. Say again. What were you sh showing him, a judo throw? What was happening here? I honestly might've been trying to hug my little brother. He could have been mean, like, <laughs> trying to get away. Looks like you're measuring his bust. I don't know, <laughs> you know, I don't know, Luke, all right. I need to put you in a fitted shirt. Yeah, yeah, that's it right there. Uh, that, was at, that was taken at the old Vox house, Luke. You know what I'm yes. saying? The House of Helwani. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Thank God I'm yeah. not anymore. Yeah, right. Wow, you know, they, you know, they they paid me to show up there, but they paid me shit in in, in hindsight, Luke. They, you know what I'm yeah. saying? That's very. That's not very surprising to hear. Why not just give me train fare and that's it? That was basically what it was, Luke. Uh, finally, topic five, Luke. Tonight it goes down a triple header, 9:35 p.m. Eastern, only on Showtime. It is Showbox, the new generation, and it goes down here. 
Like maybe not in this room, but here <laughs> at the Deadwood Mountain Grand in Deadwood, South Dakota. Luke, they've been incredible hosts. You know, do they have the amenities that a city slicker like me would be looking for? That's arguable. But Luke, before, uh, you know, I tell you briefly about what to watch for tonight, and hopefully our MK fans will follow my journey. Uh, let's follow the journey here of the Marquez family, which is a yes. big part of this. In the opening bout this evening, uh, young Giovanni Marquez, a uh, national U.S. Golden Gloves champion and, of course, son of the former Olympian, former IBF junior middleweight champion of the world, and current showbox color commentator and analyst, El Diamante Raul Marquez. Raul will be in the corner of his son's pro debut against Nelson Morales, a 147-pound bout that will be four rounds, and he will then take off the cape and return and call the fights with Barry Tompkins, myself, Amazing. Steve Farhood. Amazing. Let's go to the videotape here of a little feature showtime that's put together, uh, you know, chronicling the relationship of father and son. Boxing was always in the family. It was always the talk at the dinner table. I was just already in the sport, whether I liked it or not. I was against it. I didn't want my kids to box. Boxing is a dangerous sport. My first sport I actually played that I fell in love with was football. You know, Giovanni was good. They called him the G-Unit. I don't know much about football, but I knew he was good because he was playing the field. His first game in middle school, he had a scrimmage game, they call us, he, they broke his collarbone. That's when I decided I want to dedicate my life to uh, boxing because I'm better at it and that's just what I wanted to do. Training with my dad is an honor and a privilege. A former world champion, former Olympian, all that knowledge, he's just feeding it into me. Winning the 2021 National Golden Gloves was a very big deal for me. It was a difficult tournament. You know, in these tournaments, you have to make way every day. You have to stay composed, stay focused. And I told him, when you win the National Golden Gloves or you win any national tournament, your life is going to change in boxing. And sure enough, ever since then, it has. Giovanni is a different type of cat. He's got a lot of speed. He's flashing his moves. You know, he's not the, the typical Mexican fighter that just comes forward and let's, let's bang. I was that kind of guy, and he's not. He mixes it up, he changes it up. What's going through my head before I go to the ring is just focusing on the mission, and that's to get a win, and not only to win, but to win in outstanding fashion. There's always gonna be added pressure, but for me, pressure helps me perform better. He wants to show the world that he's got skills, that he's not just on there because he's my son. He's on there because he's good. It's my will to win that is my best strength because I'm going to do whatever it takes to come out victorious. Luke, uh, uh, I got to say, Raul is among the, the, the best people in this in this dark and shady business. Raul Mark has salt of the earth. Love him. Dude. Um, you know, he always picks up the tab when we're, when there's a few bears to be had. I love that man. Um, I was going to say real quick, I was going to add very quickly, if I may, BC, like, A, I have found that people in the boxing industry are significantly nicer than they are in MMA. Everyone in MMA is pissed off at each other. In boxing, <laughs> they actually are pretty friendly. And even among that consideration, Raul is easily one of the nicest people I have met in the industry. A genuine sweetheart and a badass and a good commentator. And I bet he's going to have his son in a winning position tonight. I can't wait to see it. Uh, it's interesting because uh, 
Giovanni, the fighter who's making the pro debut, has been cool as a cucumber all week. Such a great kid. It's Raul that's been, you know, on edge as dad and trainer. And uh, yeah. Ra- Raul, by the way, it's a family uh, boxing business. Uh, his his uh, one of his other sons, Arturo, uh, went ten and zero as a pro uh, before uh, retiring in 2018. And this is now Giovanni, as we said, national champion. So it's going to be a fun moment. Uh, to watch. And of course, this main event, though, Luke, Ardriel Holmes, the middleweight, he was, by the way, the uh, high school girlfriend, uh, high school boyfriend of Clarissa Shields, went to the senior prom together at oh, Flint shit. Northwestern High in Michigan. He was an alternate on the 2016 Olympic team. He's unbeaten, but he's been out of the sport for two years and four months and kind of lost his love for it during the pandemic. He's going to be in there against a guy who's coming after it in Vernon Brown, who's moving up last minute from the co-main event and says, look, I, to close that five-inch height gap, I got to get inside this kid's chest and put it on him. So this is going to be a very fun uh, triple header there in the in the main event that I just mentioned, Luke. Uh, Deadwood tonight, 9.35 p.m. Eastern on Showtime. 9.35 p.m. Eastern. And by the way, we've seen it a lot in combat sports. Sometimes these guys have, they lose a little bit of time because of COVID disruption, like travel. Maybe they got sick, maybe they didn't. But, you know, the whole thing just kind of opponents fell out or whatever, and they can't get going. Sometimes they come back from these layoffs and they a little bit struggle. Sometimes they come back roaring off these layoffs. So tonight, looking forward to seeing what happens here. For yeah, sure. can't wait to and hear it's, your call. It's dude. one of those cool style matchups where Ardrell Holmes, a six foot two, uh, you know, junior welterweight with long arms and, and a boxer against a small, compact, muscular opponent in Vernon Brown, who's gonna, like I said, come, come in on him. So uh, and let me say one thing out. for you, BC, for the MMA fans who are watching. You know, you're a terrible person, and I hate your guts, but you're a pretty damn good commentator. Like, if you've not heard BC do it, he sucks as a human. I mean, he is a loathsome zero, but but you hear him on the microphone. The passion for it is real. Obviously, the knowledge for it is real. Barry does a good job with you guys, and whether Raul is there, and I'm sure, obviously, after the first fight, he'll be back and ready to rock. Dude, if you guys have not heard BC call a fight, you're missing it. He's a very, very good commentator, even if he's a fucking horrible zero. You know Thank what I'm saying? you, friend. With I toe appreciate jam. The love and support from my my brother there, LT. Thank you so much. Uh, All right. Those are your five main topics for the week, Luke. Every Friday, though, we do offer that email address to the fans, morningcombat at gmail.com, to say, you got an issue with something we said during the week? We get something wrong? Why don't you put it on paper? Why don't you add a few receipts? And why don't you step up and try to tell one of us that we were dead wrong? Luke, people think this segment is unnecessary and pedantic. What is pedantic? It's not. It's the most necessary thing we do. It's the most necessary. It's super necessary. Okay. Uh, This is from Adam G. He says, "Hello, my fellow wash donks. Luke, at (laughs) forty-four minutes of Friday's show, thought the movie Stand by Me had a chick dying from bee stings." And by the way, I nodded like, yeah, you're right. Uh, That is dead wrong. The movie you were referring to is My Girl with Macaulay Culkin. Where his character, spoiler alert, (laughs) dies from bee stings. Um, Easy mistake when you keep puffing that vape. Remember, marijuana is a memory loss drug, I think. Adam G. This This is not weed. This is just whatever poison they put in regular vapes. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great, Luke. Luke, you drink, saying, not I'm only not, do you drink I'm energy not. drinks, which is a real dirtbag, you know, move to begin with. You drink like the like the bottom barrel kind too. You're like, what has a? You got skull and crossbones on there? Let me get that. 
bro, they got branch chain amino acids in here. You don't know shit about that. <laughs> oh, Luke, I'm gonna, I am gonna give you a heartfelt yet hilarious eulogy one day. <laughs> it's like, folks, we all knew this was coming, right? Like. <laughs> No one's here by surprise. You, I mean, this dirtbag was, you know, yeah. vaping on air. I'll probably be in the midst of a liver transplant at that point, but still, you know, who can talk? You know what I'm saying? Hey, Luke, so. Shane is here. He says, uh, what's up, BC? You country time lemonade bitch. <laughs> wow. Uh, Pink Shane lemonade. Here. Pink lemonade. Shane here from Cork, Ireland, and at an hour and 14 on Friday's show on the 4th of March, BC and Luke were debating why Coving, Cubby Covington, I'm sorry, was first on the poster and not Masvidal. Wash BC thought it was because Covington had the potential to make more big fights in the future compared with Masvidal. That would be dead wrong. They've always had either the champion or the person who is higher in the rankings first on the poster. Uh, Look at any of Connor's right. big fights down through right. the years He's when right. he was clearly the bigger star and second name on the poster. Mendes, all the Poirier fights. Alvarez and Habib, you guys must be having even more Delta 8s than I thought. Much love from Ireland. All right, Shane, I'll take that L. I was wrong. Okay, I was. I, I was will say this: like the longer I stay in the business, the more things that I used to know off the back of my hand that I now forget. Yes. Um. So that's one thing that I've I have to correct for now that I did not used to have to correct for. I agree with you. A few people, Dalton. Justo, Colin, they all sent the same thing. Episode 273 at 140, Luke says, on the Tim Elliott glove grab, quote, that's what Yoel Romero did to Tim Kennedy. It was actually Kennedy who grabbed Romero's glove and punched him several times, leading into the infamous Stoolgate incident in round three. Luke, I love me some Yoel Romero, but that Stoolgate incident was grimy as shit. He was like uh, public enemy number one on there, Luke. Jesus, my memory is bad. I could have sworn it was the other way around, and that's partly what Tim was complaining about, was the grabbing of the glove. That's not... Okay, you know what? If I, I, I need to double-check that, but if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm, okay. And certainly, I have been wrong before. Um, uh, the same okay. person says, I forgive Luke, though, because trying to focus on a show, hold on to a toddler, and surreptitiously vape at the same time while having to urgently shit cannot be easy. Keep up the great work. That's <laughs> right. Put some respect on my name. <laughs> I mean, Luke, you have to say, uh, was it Friday show or Monday? What was the show that, like, the, the you know, the monster was pushing the door down and you you yelled at everybody. Like you, you've had a rough stretch Monday. here, Luke. Monday. Monday was a rough one for me because I didn't sleep. I didn't sleep. My daughter got up today at like 520. I'm like, what what are we doing? This is no, not, I, I respect, Luke, I respect what you're doing. My wife goes away on business once a year. And that week I am Mr. Mom, granted to teenage boys, but I got, but you know, five animals, Luke. I can't keep up with this shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, I've got two dogs and a toddler. I'm, your boy is. Yeah. cooked right now yeah. all right jordan from hawaii hawaii says at about six minutes in on 274 the episode luke mentions are washington commanders trading for carson wentz and the russell westbrook trade that happened shortly before this luke i know you don't play russell the basketball wilson. as wilson. much as anymore but you surely know russell wilson from russell yeah. westbrook okay correct i mean you know i listen all right fine all right i mean you know who i'm talking about fucking i'm tired and westbrook's been in the news because everyone's slandering him for poor play i mean all right fine fine okay. fine fine while correcting the actual words i share your sentiment about wentz fart noise hope he proves us wrong it's jordan 
common common commanders fan from Hawaii. I can't talk, Luke. Wow. Yes. All right. Whew. Uh, Luke Bryan sliding in. Luke and BC, during the Have You Seen This Shit segment on last Monday's UFC Vegas 49 episode, Luke incorrectly identified Ronnie Deutsch's beer vessel as an AK-47. Come on, Luke. The collapsible stock, the floating handguard, that is clearly an AR platform, not an AK. Lastly, note the shape of the magazine. It's straight. As you well know, an AK mag would be curved. You're right. Much like a yellowing right. fungus infested Fair toenail enough. of a certain middle aged wash podcast. <laughs> I like how I'm the dead wrong, but you take the beating. Speaking of Jake, by the way, the documentarian Luke, he was the one who shot that video of the Marquez family in Houston, and he's ah. here in Deadwood to uh to, to to follow them on the journey. So is yeah. is he as miserable as as you are right now? <laughs> Also, you know what I hear how from many, how many times have you asked him to desperately please leave your room? Yeah, not yet. Um, you know what I've heard from every single local though? They say it the same way. They're like, "We're sure glad to have you here. We're sure glad." You know, I mean, that's that's sweet, Luke. That's very sweet. Okay, a lot yeah, of they, sure the I'm women nice are heavily here. tatted, Luke. The women they're heavily tatted in this place. I like so. that. I like that. That's nice. All right. Uh, do you do you, do you like tatted women? I usually like tatted women as much as I like women who smoke cigarettes, Luke, which is not at all. But, uh, you know, um, done in a refreshing way, Luke. I'm, yeah, sure. Why not? Right. I'm not, I'm not into like, like uh, horror tattoos all that much. Uh, but like the people who get like the, the Japanese stuff, uh, traditional Japanese is that's my that's my jam. That's my well, jam. Yeah, but you send afternoon. me both male and females naked with like tats down to their ass and you want like legitimate analysis from me. And I'm just like, get this away, bro. This is my, this is my Bible BC. Wow. 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 That's, uh, that's something Luke. Uh, there's a man named Brian who says, Luke and BC, uh, oh, I just read that shit. Oh, he also said, I hate to dead wrong you, you old biatch, but I figured any respectable cover wearing Murican would get this right. Keep up the excellent work and content, boys. Donk Army is here for all of it. Yes. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Uh, I also skipped the dead wrong last week, Luke. I read. I must have been on the eighth chair there at the exit row, and I uh, I missed where they also dead wronged me for saying Gegard beat Jacare two times, no, only once. That's right. I don't know what that means. All right. Hey, Luke. They asked me. You know. Hey, BC. You, you know. It's Friday. You want to do a fun segment to close the show? You want to get all creative and get, yes. you know, wheels out? I was like, no. I just want to talk some game with Luke Thomas. We call it MK Happy Hour and just vape and, you know, just, just talk about whatever the hell I want to. So, Luke, here's the debut of what I hope is a Friday installation here. Uh, MK Happy Hour. Run the non-existent animation. There it is, Luke. Um, Luke I love before- that animation. Yeah, favorite. before we talk about nothing here, um, I did a call to action, though, on Wednesday's show while wearing my orange, you know, Deadwood Mountain Grand hat and said, do we actually have any South Dakota listeners? Remember I said over under? What was the number? Was it like three or five on total Some subscribers? Three, I think, yeah. And you went under, Luke. So um, we did receive a response um from danielle a national guard vet who retired last year is a huge fan of mma and is considering the trip to deadwood to check out the fights tonight oh we also shit heard okay from sean who said you can tell 
Luke that indeed we do have internet here. And you can also let BC know to try the gas station deep fryer mac and cheese bites before he leaves because <laughs> Connecticut don't have that shit. Uh, South Dakota's own Taylor said he wants to buy me a beer in Deadwood today and he's here for his birthday, Luke. And he said, Luke is spot on. Most houses have antlers hanging somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but they do have decent internet, Luke, once again. But think about it. Look, there's so little people. Maybe it's not clogging that shit up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, uh, I'm going to guess it's not like, you know, well, I could be wrong. I guess they, they probably got some fiber optic shit up in there. But Also, yeah. Luke, Ch- uh, a, a fellow named Chance, C-H-A-N-S-E, Luke. Is that a manly name or not? Depend. I, uh, I don't know. Depends. All right. He says Yo, not Chance only. Chance is coming, bro. Not only am I potentially your only YouTube subscriber that lives in South Dakota, but I'm also going to ride my horse to Deadwood on Friday night to attend the Showbox event that BC yes. will be commentating. Don't worry, I will leave my six shooters at the Weapon Depository near the swinging double doors, and I would wear some MK merch to the event. But upon submitting my order, an error message says, sorry, delivery to bumfuck nowhere is unavailable at this time. Luke, true fact, you can't get Uber Eats in Deadwood, and it's killing me. Uh, no, you cannot. And in fact, BC, uh, let me see if I can pull this up. BC sent us some very real proof of this. And I was like, holy shit. He was telling the truth. Here's BC trying to get Uber Eats in South Dakota. Ready? <laughs> I don't know if you can see the screen or not. Pull it back a little bit. Can you see? It says, no, currently unavailable. Our service is not available. Yes. There yes. you go. Um, Luke, I will say to Chance. South Dakota. I'll say this to Chance. You know, because oh, yeah. uh, there's no ha- there's no chance he's riding a horse in this weather. Luke, it's been single digits and snowing all week. And last night, the it only said 12 degrees. And, you know, I'm no, I mean, I'm, you know, am I an old bitch? Yeah, but I'm no full bitch, Luke. Uh, I mean, I deal with Connecticut winters. Dude, 12 degrees last night felt like minus 30. I mean, it was just brutal. I feel like when you're in South, you're in the Dakotas, you just get that Arctic blast that comes straight down from Canada. And in, you, yeah. know, you get stuff like that. You get stuff like that in the Northeast, but it usually has worked its way through the Midwest and then it moves kind of east. So you get a little bit. Sometimes you get the Nor'easters, but when it comes from Canada, by the time it gets to you, it's a little bit less. You get that full frontal from Canada. You know what I'm saying? You Dude, get the it's cold as shebang. shit here. I mean, it's like no hope. No joy cold, all right? You know what I'm saying, Luke? It's it's uh, it's something. But hey, Luke, I found out they they have they only shut down the uh, the brothels on Main Street in Deadwood as recently as the 1980s, Luke. How sad are you that you missed out on an opportunity yeah. to call? <laughs> no, I'm not sad at all, Deadwood, Luke. And then go get a, you know what I'm saying? You know, Luke, I w- I did say this to uh, to my fellow uh, boxing heads in the uh, in the in the Twitter DM thread that I'm always on, Luke just spitting game that, you know, I know it's not saying much, but your boy would have cleaned up in Deadwood. All right. All right. I'm just, I like, I know it's not saying a lot, Luke. Okay. Because the, the, the pickings are slim here, but you know, like a dog, like a male dog that just needs to like piss and, and you know, and lay it out everywhere just to let people know. I got to let you know, Luke, I, you know, it, it, it Naugatuck, Connecticut is not an exact equivalent of Deadwood by any means, but uh, you know, I've seen this place before, Luke. Okay, could you I, could you find someone who? How do I say this? How could uh, 
No, I can't say that. No, um, you can't. You can't. I was saying if you, I was a sing, if I were a single man, Luke, of course. If I told you you couldn't find someone at a bar who either had a they had to have no tattoo and or gun, <laughs> and all their teeth, it's not, it's what not chance not, would you have? It, no, it's uh, the first two is not possible. The third is optional, maybe, but the first two it's not possible. It just isn't. It's just not possible. So, uh, are there bars? Do people go to bar? I mean, I guess in the casino, right? The casino. Yeah. So bars. like, yeah. it's literally not a joke. Every single place of business is a tiny casino with a bar in the back and half of them have a steakhouse connected to it. It's just, it's just, but Luke, you know, I was doing a little Deadwood history reading, you know, in my, in my odd time. And, uh, you know, remember back not too long ago when only Atlantic city and New Jersey and, uh, Las Vegas were the two legal places you could gamble in our country. Deadwood became the third. So that's Hmm. a bit part of why there's literally a casino everywhere here but luke i will say this though the whole ride from rapid city to deadwood there's a casino at every gas station at every like insurance business has a little wing of a casino connected to it it's it's so in your face like we not only want as a society we need you to get addicted to gambling that's what it's saying luke okay if you listen to anything on sports radio these days that's all it is it's just you know free money here free money there gambling here gambling here people love it dude people love it it's funny though that you could make like a gambling oasis in South Dakota and people are still like, I'll wait till it's legal everywhere else, where it's legal everywhere else before I go to go there. So uh, Luke, I walked by the bar last night where they claimed that wild Bill Hickox was killed Luke in a poker game. It was the only time history says that he was unable to get the, the chair with his back to the wall, Luke. And, um, you know, the hand that what they call the dead man's hand that he had mm-hmm. at the time of the killing Luke. Mm-hmm. Aces and eights, baby. Ooh. All right. He was doing something with it. Too bad he didn't see the turn card on the river. That's what I'm saying, you know? And uh, apparently Calamity Jane did some damage here as well, Luke. I can only imagine what what kind of calamity she caused. All right, Luke. Uh, Hey, Luke, it's happy hour. What do you want to talk about, you know? Nothing. Everyone wants us to see Batman, but I haven't had a chance to see it. Like, well, how much of a priority is that for you when you get back? Okay, it's not normally a priority because, as you know, I don't. I don't really go after this type of movie, the the whole new superhero genre, rebirth, action, extravaganza, even though I did in the 80s and 90s follow when Batman came back, Michael Keaton, and, and through, you know, Mr. Freeze, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and all that. But, Luke, is it true that it's Robert Pattinson that is doing the honors mm-hmm. this time? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. that gets me hella intrigued, because he was in that movie called Good Time, made by the Safdie brothers, who also did Uncut Gems with Adam Sandler. And dude, that movie is gritty as shit. And I know, obviously, he's a decorated actor in other areas that I haven't watched, but watching him in Good Time, I was like, damn, Luke, if he brings some of that that grime to the Batman role, I could be swayed to... Now that you can watch first-run movies at home on your damn streaming system, Luke, you used to have to go into a barbershop and purchase an illegal DVD that was filmed by somebody in the back corner of a theater. Look, I've purchased those before. I bought Wedding Crashers I have too. I saw yeah. Rush Hour that way. That's, That's how what I'm saying. I saw Rush Hour. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I will get involved. What do you know, Luke, about the the plot or the style of it being filmed? How will this new Batman change things? The only thing I know is that the people who are, like, really into comic books, the ones who read, like... Um, like, oh, I'm into comic book noir, where it's really become some kind of other art form. They think this is the one of the best, if not most realistic, depictions of Batman. And it's like, fine. I mean, I'm going to see it, and I'm sure it's good. 
But I keep making this. It's like every generation, they just want Batman to be darker and grittier. And at some point, it's like, how dark is he supposed to to be? Um, I guess we'll figure that out. That's the only thing that sort of stands out to me. I mean, he could be a dark hero in the vein of Han Solo, the original episode four depiction of when he shot first, Luke. You know what I'm saying? He's just a grimy mofo oh. who could who could live for a good cause if it made sense. I think the purity, though, of the of the Bruce Wayne Batman character, though, Luke, is, has never been really all that nefarious, right? I mean, yeah, I and I guess there's books. also, I guess the the one criticism of Pattinson is I guess he plays one of the, well, it's the same guy, but he plays one of the two characters better than the other. I guess he either plays Bruce Wayne better or plays Batman better than he plays the other. I guess there's a bit of a divergence there, but I haven't seen it, so I can't say. I will say this, though, BC. Did you see the new trailer for the Ben Kenobi uh, or Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, Disney Plus show that he just, just came out? I haven't seen it yet, but Luke, I'm going to be all over that shit. Okay, it's amazing, and I can't wait to see it. And if anything was good about the first, well, not the first three, but the prequels, it was obviously, you know, uh, Ewan McGregor and the way he played that character. Yeah. But, you know, dude, you know, you're hiding out from the Empire, and your name is Ben Kenobi, and it used to be Obi-Wan. It's like the worst fucking alias I've ever heard in Luke, my life. Kenobi is like Smith in Tatooine. I mean, come on, Luke, all right? You know what I mean? It's, I guess. It's like, oh, I'm Ben Kenobi. You mean, like, you're the Obi-Wan? No, 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 no. I've never heard of that. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, no, I, you no, know, I don't yeah. dress like him in any way. I'm just a very different one. Oh, really, fuckhead? Is that what you're doing? Yeah, yeah. Um, did you end up watching any of the... The much maligned Boba Fett series that my no. that the the media He's the most said overrated piece of was shit lame, character. But my son Isaac says it's awesome, and I must watch to catch up to him, Luke. So a buddy of mine, a buddy of mine, I asked him about it, and he said that actually the uh, sort of the other characters in the show are actually what make it, and not so. Apparently, there's a like a Wookiee who's a main character and all this shit. Okay, yeah. I'm down for that. But Is dude, he about Boba it, Fett. Boba Fett is one of these guys who everyone's like, oh, he's super cool. And then you're like, why is he super cool? And you're like, you can't really pinpoint any clear defensible reason. He just looks kind of cool, but he's not even a real Mandalorian. Yo, fuck that guy. I didn't watch a single second of that. Luke, I think you glazed over much too quickly the the anger I had upon watching the new Dune in the theater and realizing how much George Lucas like blatantly stole from it to form the the culture and the story arc and everything of what what made us fall in love with the first trilogy and specifically the first two movies four and five Luke that I mean it it it's like finding out that like you know they lied to you all these years and that man isn't really your father um, did you end up seeing that new Dune I forgot and do you like like this old bitch George Lucas who we already blame a lot of ruining our fandom on. I mean, he stole this shit, Luke. I know. You were very upset when you first saw it, uh, you know, with 78,000 milligrams of Delta 8 gummies in your belly at the movie theater. <laughs> and you were very determined to tell me about it. I'm with you, but it's also just like, dude, Star- like, what, what, what will this revelation do? Undo Star Wars? It's so cast into the fabric of everything that, like, any revelation, you're so right. I mean, it, it clearly borrowed an extraordinary amount. It's too late, dude. It already blew up. It already reached the hearts and minds of little kids generations over at this point. It's it's in there. Dune just has to be a fucking sorry second as a consequence.
Oh, Luke, speaking of uh, blatantly stealing things, did you did you see those donks? I don't even know what their show's called, but, like, they went on that, like, four-day Twitter rant against you for stealing their uh, bingo yes. card joke, and then yes. apparently we stole, like, 50 other uh, comedy segments from them. Luke, I'm sure it's a great show. I yeah, I don't even know who the, I don't even know who these people are, and it's the sad... It's, it's genuinely sad that someone thinks X uh, event on Y numbered bingo card which everyone uses as a regular phrase yeah. all the fucking time i've never even heard of these people i don't have time to pay attention to podcasts that nobody else does so you know i mean if they, think, that, if they pod- think that's stealing i you congrats i guess that you're you've uncovered some amazing you know i mean there, there but, could be a podcast out there that uses balls bonanza as a regular catchphrase and you know could it be linked to me stealing i don't know i didn't hear it luke okay yeah, yeah. Tr- trust it. me when i tell you i have very limited time and i don't spend it watching Whatever the fuck that is. You spend it watching Tukey, Luke. That's what you do, okay? That's right. Watching my daughter at the park. I know you get very emotionally invested in buying yourself new technological advancements in your filming. And I know that you're very excited about the new studio that you've uh, uh, began. Can you give us an update on... on, uh, You know, how much more you can do with it? And like, like, what's the coolest part about having this space now? trying to figure out how to use it right now right now i haven't figured out how to use it at all uh it's a lot of nothing is ever easy nothing is ever easy so it's nice to have the whole entire complex is great because there's everything you need in that giant building that we're in so that part's pretty cool but the problem is um getting all of i I have to have gear for home and now gear for there so that means i have to get some more gear put over there and it's just there's a logistical challenge there shooting there has its own series of logistical challenges it's i'm very early in the process it's it's not off to i mean it's gonna take a while before i can really leverage it unfortunately okay. i want to see it become money for you luke as you would say yeah well believe me i would like to as well because i'm fucking spending money over there so yeah you know. yeah look you got to spend money to make money in this game okay that is true that is absolutely true but at the same time it sucks so all right all right um luke are you following the nba season in any form uh, I watched uh, the Philly fans heckle the shit out of Ben Simmons last night. Yes. Only for the Nets to em- kind of embarrass him a little bit. I did watch that. And then, you know, with the Wizards, Beal is out, so whatever. But they dropped fucking shithead Davis Bertans, who is no good, or at least wasn't for us. And um, us, But now say. they're saying Beal <laughs> might go. Now they're saying Beal might go to Philly in the offseason. So, you know, it sucks to be a DC sports fan all the time. Luke, is, what are the odds that James Harden ends up playing on the uh, Bullets next year? Wizards, Luke, next year? <laughs> low. Low. <laughs> no one wants to come here. I, it's the worst. Fucking yeah. super low. But yeah. Porzingis looked pretty good. You're, you're a brethren, right? Dude, I, I have not been following this season as close as I would want to, but. Dude, John Morant highlights are just insane. I mean, can you remember he was he was like clearly the number two in college relative to Zion. Zion came out of Duke that same year, being like the guy, and Zion has kind of over there in New Orleans. And John Morant, dude, every day I open my phone, there's a new John Morant head above the rim, fucking posterizing slam. He is the most electric player in the NBA right now. It seems that you, way, right? You know, you're, you're damn right. And you know how, like, every year there's usually, like, two highlight real moments that sort of, like, cement in your mind what that year was? Like, you see Jordan go up against the Lakers and put the ball up and then switch hands, you're like, 91, 91 finals right there. You know what I mean? You see Vince Carter do some of those windmills, you're like, oh, shit, that was his second year, you know, 2000, when he was just 
taking his game to the next level. Um, John Morant, like you said, has like one of those moments every single night. I mean, did you see it with four tenths on the clock? He caught the full court pass and put it in. And he's just like jumping over these people, Luke. I mean, it is just ridiculous. He's challenging the seven footers at the rim. The point of contention is at the rim and then winning. He's, so Luke, he is a fucking dude, athletic miracle. The pound for pound athleticism right now in the NBA is just, I mean, it, you know, it's finally sort of comparable to the NFL, which always had just the, you know, the quick twitch fiber assassins in there, just the freaks of nature. Dude, it's changed the game along with the the improvement of, of long-range accurate three-point shooting, which is just, you know, mixed with the hand-check rule around in the mid-2000s change and, and opening up the floor and Steve Nash becoming your MVP. I mean, look, that's the beginning of the cycle change to get away from the, the cloggy defensive late 90s. And it's increased scoring and done a lot of different things and, and you know, removed the need for positions. It's done a lot of things. And I don't think a lot of great things, but I'm also that old curmudgeon 90s fan, you know, 80s and 90s fan. Um, but, like, I feel like the athleticism is, is too far, though. It's like maybe the 90s were the perfect storm of, like, fundamental team game mixed with oh, we figured out how to be like world-class, ridiculous athletes, but yet where the balance was still there, Luke. I really just don't love today's game with its dependence upon the three ball. And it's, it's you know, I, am I just such a love of pick and roll and high post and all that shit? Or, you know, what am, what am I missing, Luke? I mean, the games are as exciting. I watched the playoffs. They're exciting <laughs> you're, as hell. You're missing, you're missing 20 years of uh, being an old bitch. Yeah, you know, back in that. my day, they played basketball a certain way, and now they play it a different way. I mean, I'm not here to say that, like, I like the current game as much as I like the old game, so for whatever that's worth, I share your sentiment. But, you know, first of all, it ain't going back. It is baked in now. It, it is, just, like, there's so no you, turning so it back. You don't mean there's going to be a cyclical effect where seven-foot post-up games will become a thing again in two, three years? Does it take a new seven class? Seven-footers are shooting behind the arc. I know, is shooting I know. behind the arc. Like, I don't maybe, but it's hard to see how they would limit them more again. I mean, I guess everyone's going to have changing roles over time, but in the case of, in the case of like, the old game, I agree with you. I liked it better, but, like, dude, we're old. No one gives a shit what we yeah, think. Yeah, we are and It's hard to divorce the romantic past of your youth from I do objective love. assessments of what's good. My once a week old guy hoops, you know, invite invite only league that I pay to play in, dude. I mean, it's all '90s basketball, dude. You know, '80s. I mean, it is all pick and roll, post up. I mean, there is no. It doesn't look at all like today's game. Like I coached my son's like sixth grade basketball team a couple years ago, and dude, they're all trying to be Steph Curry, and it's like, okay, I get it. You know, none of them can shoot a lick, but they're shooting from 25 feet just constantly. Um, yeah, I like that. There's still a haven, Luke. You know, for old guys like me to enjoy what we love. Luke, how, what age do we end up going to the same coffee shop every single day and ordering the same thing and talking to the same people? Is that reserved for when you're like 70 or can that happen earlier? No. Late 30s, early 40s. No. For sure. No. Really? Yes. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Depending on your situation? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Okay. That, it's a neighborhood know. type joint. Yeah. Uh, Luke, I, I I hesitate to talk music with you because it's going to end up, you know, being some type of talk about, you know, satanic metal and why won't I join you at a concert and all that shit. But Luke, I know you better than they do, and you are a decent, decent music fan. Behind that, are you listening to anything new? Have you purchased anything new, separate from the genre 
of hard ass aggressive kill anti-Jesus rock that you're that you're just you know putting out there. All right, anti-Jesus rock. Um, no, I mean maybe a little bit more Latin music since coming back from vacation. A little bit more, trying to get a little more into that um, to work on some things. What but... artists should should our if we if there are any MK fans that like a little Latin music, Luke? What artists are you focusing on? I I, I don't have a good read. I'm a big fan of Bad Bunny. Um, you know, I, again, I let me be clear about this. I don't have a fucking idea what's cool, especially on that side of the world. But I do like Bad Bunny a lot. I listen to some older stuff: Fonseca, Carlos Vives, um, Jorge Celadon. Um, who else am I listening to? Uh, a little bit of modern stuff, Fruco, um, Silvestre Dangon. Uh, Dang- Damn, Dangon. dude, you're all Dangon. in, man. So would you yeah, say your music intake is like 50% death metal and 50% Latin right now? No, I would say it's like 40% death metal, 40% like hardcore rap, and then 20% Latin music. Probably is about the way I would put it. Oh, wow. I, I thought you were going to add 20%. Uh, what's that movie called that you watch all the time? Contigo. Uh, Debbie Does Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> Violent throat lovers, yeah. Um, uh, the the damn uh, Encanto. I thought maybe Encanto would fill that. Okay, so look at throat lovers. Maybe I'm I was Google right that after the show. That sounds interesting. Uh, maybe we can't talk about music together, Luke. I mean, it's fine. It's what you're going after. I'm not telling you to follow me down the '70s, you know, progressive rock, jazz fusion rabbit. I, I hole, never will, Cat Stevens. Does it limit our uh, our our conversation ability? Campbell it's Stevens. Possible. It's possible. Wow, Luke. Uh, you haven't... I mean, like, okay, th- this will answer a thing. Because if you said BC, which I... Do you have Sirius XM? I do. Always when I'm driving, I listen to it. What are my... You know, you, you only get, what, 16 precepts or whatever? 18 precept stations. But the four or five that I'm hitting right away, Luke, are... 90s on 9. The Bridge. Classic Rewind. Classic Vinyl. And lithium to get you know those those uh, alternative rock uh, in there, Luke. What what are you going to like? You have no room in, at all for cool music right now in your life or heart. I have I have plenty of room for cool music, just not your kind of music. Okay, What's so what are that? your what are your presets right now then? I don't even know their channels, even though I worked there for a long time. I would probably have some political talk, uh, um, uh, news. Some news I would have in there. Yeah, it's just not going, not getting any better, Luke. Not getting any better. Yeah, I would. Um, the what's their metal channel? Like their hardcore metal channel. They, they got a lot of Ozzy's Boneyard. They got some weird ones. Got Boneyard is one. Yeah, I'd probably put that in there. I'd probably put um, Shade Four Five. In that, in not that one not as Jam well. On. I, I rock Jam On all the time. Oh, See, dude, I don't three, know Jam On. Jam, oh, it's Jam Band music. But Three Eleven, Luke is no. um, is Yacht Rock, no. the Yacht Rock channel. I'm all over that too. But uh, no, 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 I'm not doing that at all. No, yeah, I know, Luke. It's I can, I know your personality. I know now how it's fueled, Luke. Um, so we Luke, can call this. We can call this, uh, dude. You know, happy hour to me is 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 um, it's a free flowing conversation. It's a podcast where we only talk about the podcast, Luke. Okay, you know what I mean. It's a it's great. All right. I guess we can go now. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Uh, check it out tonight, 9.35 p.m. Have Eastern. fun tonight, BC. Have fun. How, what's your, hold on, here's what I want to know. Tell me about your itinerary home. How do you get there? Oh, dude, this is going to be brutal. This is going to be brutal. I fly uh, from Rapid City to Minneapolis. Then I have a five-and-a-half-hour layover. <laughs> 
before I can fly to Hartford uh, and land after midnight. And oh, by the way, that night in Hartford, Luke, it's something called a bomb cyclone, which is a uh, aggressive storm, a snowstorm, windstorm hitting. So, you know, what city will I end up spending the night in Saturday, Luke? I'm not really sure, to be fair, okay? Are you going to put a picture of the check that they're going to cut you for this, like as the background to your phone? So when you're sitting for five hours in Minneapolis, you're like, you know what? It's all worth it. I Here's can the see. thing, though. I did tell I my see. producer, Richie Gone, love that guy. I said, give me, I want, give, me, uh, give me the Showbox experience. Take me to Sloan, Iowa. Take me to Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Get me into Deadwood and rub Deadwood all over me. Okay, Luke? So is it always a comfortable journey? It's a challenge, Luke. But the best things in life, including, you know, our marriages, my friendship with you is often a challenge, Luke. Okay? All right. Just don't die. That's all I'm asking. Please don't die. You know, my wife actually legitimately on the phone the other day gave me like a, you know, you, you do like to run your mouth a little. Just be careful, you know. It's, don't, don't get shot. And I was just like, oh, haha. She's like, no, I'm serious. <laughs> okay. All right. Your, wife, right. your yeah. wife understandably worries about you. <laughs> yeah, there it is. There it is. And that's your show. Uh, shout out to uh, Corey Manich, Gaffney, Gaffney Pierre, Mikey Mormile, and crew on the ones and twos here behind the scenes getting it done for us. Luke, uh, no, no, no Saturday night specials this week, right? I have to cover a Bellator for HQ, so I don't think I'll have a post-fight show, but if I can squeeze one in, I will. So we'll see. Okay, but you and I will be returning to the the old bomb shelter as it is there, our brand new, fantastic new set uh, next week, Luke. So we're going to have not only live MK, we're going to have some bonus surprises there, bank yep. some great content. Uh, there's rumors, Luke, you and I may end up in South Florida not too long after that. Hey, Luke, I may come to your house this spring there is a real possibility there might be bc does dc and if he does it's going to be epic so i'm hoping that you actually make it down and we can we can have some fun uh the future is bright thank you to malco showtime cbs sports uh here's our socials like follow subscribe uh if you listen on audio only please please you know audio uh, apple podcast wherever uh, give us that five-star review it really it really does help on the back end if you will to uh to our award-winning hopes i know voting closed on that second award i don't know if we won it luke that we were getting the people to get to get our back in vote thank you to everybody who did we'll find out what happens with that one and uh i think that's it morningcombat.store get your special saint patrick's day merch right now luke final word goes to you um maybe i'll get a tattoo in south florida would you go with me if i got one yeah, I'd definitely go with you, but like, how long would they let me sit in the eighth row before they'd accept uh, my lack of pain tolerance to allow me to get a tattoo under those circumstances? No, no, you don't have to. You can just watch me get one. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, we'll get the doc cameras out. Yeah, this is this is good content. I might, I'm I might go do it. I might go. Do it. <coughs> For Luke Thomas, my name is Brian Campbell. I mean, the thing about gains, though, Luke. I'd love if they could stay loyal. You know what I mean? That's, I mean, there's, you know. That's what we I, all wish. I'll tell you what, them hoes ain't loyal. I'll tell you that much. But uh, Gaines, uh, you know, thank you guys for watching. Uh, t take care of this, guys. All right, put your mental health first. We're getting through this winter. We're almost out of it. Love you for the LT, the BC, the MK. Two words. We out.